You may be seated if you'd open your Bibles. We're going to begin our study today in John uh, chapter, uh, where we want to go. We want to go, actually I might need to turn a page. John chapter 17, please. John chapter 17. In the Gospel of John, chapter 17, Jesus is actually praying to the Father, and he's praying for the body of Christ and the future. He's praying for his disciples, but he's also praying for the future. And we have been studying, and last Sunday we began our new series, On the Love of God. And in that uh, study, we discovered, first of all, that we are born again. We're born of God. We're born by the Holy Spirit. We're born of the incorruptible seed, according to Peter. And so our spirit has literally been born again and reborn from above. And we have this uh, life of God on the inside of us. And we have a new nature. And we have... Uh, the love of God in us because God is love. In our study on Sunday night, we saw that uh, God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. And so then we have this love of God inborn in us. It's within. And so the love of God in us can come out in our expression. It can come out in our attitude. It can come out in our words. It can come out in our actions. And we can com communicate the love of God to others. And everybody needs to know that they're loved. God so, what, loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world. God proved his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God is not just one who loves in word only, but he also loves in deed. We're uh, admonished in Scripture. In 1 John, it says that we're not to love in word only, but in deed and in truth. So God's love is that kind of love. It's an active love. It's a love that doesn't just speak love, although words of love are important to us, aren't they? It, it motivates us, it strengthens us, it encourages us. And yet we don't want to only say it in words, but we want to act in love as well. We want to do things uh, toward others because we are instructed in the Scriptures to love one another. Then we are to do things uh, toward others that show them that we really do love them and care for them. Amen? And so God's love has been expressed toward us in his action. And love is an action. Love is also a choice. So we have to choose to love. We choose to love because we have the capacity to love. We have this love of God in us. And so therefore we can obey uh, God's command to love. Now let's look at the scripture here beginning with uh, verse 20. And Jesus, again, as I said, is praying, and he says, I do not pray for these alone, but, for, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, which would include everyone who believes on Jesus. Because the reason you're able to 
believe on Jesus is because the disciples and uh, wrote the scriptures and penned the scriptures and uh, by the Holy Spirit and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we have the Word of God today. And then others along different generations have preached the gospel. And when we preach the gospel and people believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and believe the Word of God and they accept Jesus, they become saved or they're born again or they receive eternal life and they are new creations in Christ and they uh, are children of God. And, and the reason is because of the words that uh, those disciples preached and carried. And then, of course, generation after generation. So Jesus is actually praying for you when he prayed this prayer. He's praying for me. He's praying for the whole body of Christ. And what is he praying specifically, we find as we go on in verse 21, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus is praying that the body of Christ would be one just as the Father and the Son Jesus are one and God in Jesus, they're one. Jesus and the Father are so one. And he wants us to be one. In other words, he wants us, the body of Christ. Remember, uh, of course, a number of scriptures uh, share this truth with us that Jesus is referred to as the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church, and we are referred to as his body. Well, the head and the body are one. You can't separate the head from the body. If you do, the body is dead. There's no life in that body. And so we can't separate ourselves from Jesus. Jesus is our head, and we are one with Jesus, the head of the church. And we are his body. And his body in Scripture is likened into a physical body and talks about the need for the hand and the foot and the eye and the ear and the different parts of the body. And every part uh, is described as an, an important part. The least member of the body is an important part of the body. And the truth is the least member in the body of Jesus is an important part of the body. And we're all connected. We're all joined together. And sometimes uh, in our minds, we let our Thinking separate us from the body of Jesus. I know that's never happened to you, but maybe someone in the room. Now, the truth is, the devil is a divider. A house that is divided against itself cannot stand. And so the devil is always endeavoring to divide people, to separate people in the body of Christ. But Jesus is praying that we would be one, that we'd, we would be in unity, that we would be unified. And the way we're going to be unified is to recognize that Jesus is the head of the church and we are his body and that we are interconnected. We are linked to one another. And also that we are to treat others the way Jesus would treat them. We are to love people the way Jesus loves people. And so in this case, he's praying for unity. Consider what it takes to maintain unity. Well, what's going to happen if we have this key of the love of God, which is the key to unity? Everybody say key. The key to unity is the love of God. Love holds us together. 
It is the bond, according to Scripture, of perfection. It is the thing that holds us together like glue that holds something together. Supernatural love of God in us and us living in that love, walking in that love, holds us together, binds us together. And he says, when we are in unity, the world is going to believe. In other words, we are a picture of Jesus. If we hide our light under a bushel, in other words, we hide our light from the world, or we don't walk in the love of God, then the world can't see Jesus. How are they going to see Jesus? They're going to see Jesus in us. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. But when he went away, he said, you're going to be the light of the world. When I leave, he's leaving the light on. Motel 6 will leave the light on for you, but Jesus left the light on in the world. Amen? So the Holy Spirit is living in us, and life of God is on the inside of us, and Jesus' love is on the inside of us, but we have to release the love of God in order for the world to see it. So unity is key for the world to believe. If the body of Christ is so disjointed and, and disconnected and, and not unified and, and they, don't, they don't look like they have any more love than the world has, then uh, we're not going to attract the world. Many years ago, the Holy Spirit said it this way to me. He says, love is a pulling power that pulls people out of darkness into light. In other words, the love of God will attract people. It'll attract people. When you walk in love, it attracts people to you. I mean, people don't want to be around people that are mean and hateful. Right? They want to be around people that are kind to them, nice to them. Unless they're just, those other people are just mean and hateful themselves and they just like to fight <laughs> and argue. But you, generally speaking, people are attracted to people that are kind to them and love them. And so Holy Spirit has put the love of God on the inside of us, given us the ability to obey what he's commanded us to do, and that is to love one another. And so love unifies. Well, you consider a relationship, for example, a marriage relationship. Without the love of God, it's so easy for marriage to uh, be split apart, a marriage to be divided. And you know the devil hates marriage because it's a picture of Christ in the church. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So that's the responsibility of the husband to love his wife as Christ loved the church. Well, how can he do that? Love her as Christ loved the church. The only way is the love of God is on the inside of him. And the way the love of God is on the inside of a person is that they're born of God. They're born of love. They have God's love on the inside because they believe in Jesus and God changes their nature. And so the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And we have the love of God on the inside of us. And we can do what the Scripture has commanded us to do. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. What happens when uh, a husband loves his wife? There's a reciprocal effect. And in that passage of Scripture, it says that the wife is to reverence and to respect her husband. It draws that out of her. Why? Because she sees 
that her husband loves her. We see that God the Father loves us, and what does it do? It attracts us to him. The reason I love God is because he first loved me. The reason you love God is because you see that he loves you. God so loved the world that he gave. He acted on that love. He gave his best. He gave his son. He gave the best gift, and freely with him gives us all things to enjoy. So God has given us his best and given us his son. And what does it do? It causes us to love him in return. And when somebody really sees how much God loves them, it'll cause them to want to love him in return. There's a, there's a uh, give and receive relationship in the marriage relationship. And in every relationship, there needs to be a giving and receiving. You know, sometimes we say give and take. But reality is that there are a lot of takers. They like to take. In other words, they like to take. They like to get into a relationship to see what they can get. And so in a relationship, it's give and receive. You love your wife as Christ loved the church. And then that reciprocal effect, that, that law of return, there's something that happens when you love your wife in a relationship, in her heart, in her soul, in her mind. There's something that happens in the relationship if it is a family relationship. The key to unity in a marriage is love. The key to unity in a family is love. In a family relationship, if you're loving each other, it's a peaceful place. The grace of God is in your, in your home, and the atmosphere is charged with the grace of God because of the love of God that unifies you. Of course, the devil tries to tear you apart. He tries to rip marriages apart. He tries to rip families apart because he's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But the key to your success as a married couple or as a family is the love of God, and it holds you together. It bonds you together. The key to any relationship, a friendship, the key to a friendship, is love. If you're going into that relationship and you maintain that relationship in, in an attitude of love, then it holds you together. How many times have friendships been broken because of certain things that have been done or attitudes that have been developed in that person, in, a, in one or the other's uh, life? And, and so it's dividing the, uh, the friendship or dividing the family or dividing the marriage. Remember, the devil comes to divide. But God, by the Holy Spirit, has given us the ability to love each other and to unify our hearts so you can maintain a friendship. I have friends that are long-term friends. Pastor Lynn Shaw, of course, comes from uh, a church that it was pastored uh, by Trina Hankins' uh, father, which is many years ago. What a connection. I think about Pastor Mark Hankins. They're friends of ours for 30-some years. We're so grateful for real long-term relationships. There are people in this church that have been in this church 20 years, 30 years, and have real friends in their life. I mean, not just when things are going good, but when your test, when your challenge is there, when you're faced with a challenge in your life. Thank God for real friends and real relationships. 
that love you not when everything is going good only. They love you when things are going well, but they love you when you're on the downturn, when it seems like things have hit you or you've hit the wall and, and circumstances have uh, come in your life or challenges have come and, and it seems like things are breaking up in your life and you don't know what to do, but thank God for the love of God. God still loves you in the midst of your test, in the midst of your trial, and he's there to help you. Amen. Can somebody say Amen. And thank God that not only is God there, but you have some real friends that are there. And as Pastor Mark Hankins often says, everybody needs four crazy friends <laughs> that will believe God with them. Where he gets that from is the four men that took uh, the uh, lame man up on the roof uh, and took him uh, on the roof and tore a hole in the roof and got him in the presence of Jesus, let him down before Jesus. Everybody needs somebody that will help you when it seems like you can't move forward. When it seems like you've hit a wall or you can't get any further or you can't get your healing or you can't uh, get uh, your needs met or, or, or you can't get your emotional life uh, stable or you're faced with things in your life. Thank God for some real friends that are there for you through thick and thin. Hello. No matter what you're facing in life, God's grace is there for you. And thank God for real friends that are there for you. And with God, all things are possible, but God has a plan. And part of his plan is that you have relationships. Many years ago, I was going through a challenge, probably 28, maybe even 28 years ago or so, just going through a challenge as a pastor, young pastor, and, and just emotionally, just a lot of challenges. What's going on? It was a fight of faith. And my wife, in praying one night, she said, the Lord's saying, you need friends. Well, that sounds like a word from God. <laughs> Thank God for a good wife. You need friends. You know, you're thinking you're fighting devils, and you are. But in that situation, the Holy Spirit is saying, you need friend. I need a friend. Come on, somebody. <laughs> somebody ought to recognize this morning you need a friend in your life that you can trust, that you can rely upon. You say, well, I've been hurt by friends. Who hasn't? Welcome to the club. Touch your neighbor, say, you too? No, I'm just... Hello, everybody's been hurt by somebody along the way, but you can't quit and give up on relationships because if you quit and give up on relationships, you're on your own. You're standing alone, and everybody needs people in their life. And the key to having real friends is walking in love, believing in each other. Love believes the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. Come on. The love of God is in you. And you can endure through tests because every relationship is tested. Every friendship is tested. Every marriage is tested. Every family is tested. Tr uh, tests and trials come to every life. 
Come to every marriage. Come to every family. Come to every relationship. But the key to success in your relationship and maintaining unity in that relationship and oneness in that relationship is the love of God. Somebody say, love works. And the scripture says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter four, uh, 13, uh, 4 through 8, one of the verses there says, love never fails. If love never fails and love is in your heart and the love of God is within and you act in the love of God, you respond in the lo- love of God, no matter what's going on in your, in your life, you will not fail. Because the love of God will never fail. Let's keep reading. Verse 22. It says, In the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one, just as we are one. That the body of Christ could be one, just as we, Jesus is saying, you and I, Father, are one. I and them and you and me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Think about that. Jesus said, just like the Father and the Son are one, we could be made perfect in oneness together. We understand that that's a development process, and yet it's doable. He says, so that the world would know that you've sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So God loves you just like he loved Jesus. Now, if we really saw how much God loves us, we quoted the earlier the verse, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So obviously he really does love you as much as he loves Jesus because he gave his son for you to die in your place. He proved his love toward us in the, when we were yet sinners. Christ died for us, so God loves you just like he loved Jesus, and he proved that love by his action, and he gave his only son so that you could have eternal life. And you could be one with Christ. You can be one in union with Jesus, and Jesus and you can be one just like the vine and the branch are one. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. In other words, we are connected to Jesus. We're one with Jesus. We're one with the Father. And he said, not only are you one spiritually, but you can be one in your attitude. You can be one in your action. And when we walk in the love of God, it's amazing what happens in a relationship. It's amazing what happens in a marriage. I was just, I met Gavin McLeod, who uh, was the captain of the love boat. And uh, we were just, we actually ate with he and uh, Ray Jean Wilson, who was his pastor. And uh, so when we were talking, uh, uh, Gavin McLeod, of course, went through a uh, break in his marriage many years ago. And his wife got saved, and she was praying for him to come home. And she set the plate for him to eat for two years. She was praying for his salvation. And one day he knocked on the door. 
came home. Dinner's ready. Supernatural faith in God. And just sitting and listening to him talk, he was so sweet. Just love of Jesus. Just so real. Seasoned in the love of God. And so they've had many years of uh, restoration and married love. Just amazing testimony to the grace of God. What can happen when one of the parties chooses love over hate? Chooses love and unity over division. And supernaturally, God restored their relationship. And you just see the sweetness of Jesus. And you hear it in his voice. You hear it in his words and his attitude toward his wife or just loving Jesus. You know, Jesus is real and Jesus can change anybody's life. It's amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. The grace of God can reach any person, any human being, no matter what their environment, no matter where they live, no matter what's going on in the lowest place or the highest place. God knows how to reach people if we'll just walk in the love of God and believe that the grace of God. Listen, by our living in the love of God, the world is going to believe. When they see the real Jesus in us, when they see the real Christ in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory, when they see Jesus living his life and expressing his love through you, you're not on your own in this love walk. This is Jesus living on the inside of you. And when they see Jesus in the church and the love of God in the church and the love of God in the body of Christ and in a marriage or pictured in a relationship or a friendship and pictured in the church because the key of the, uh, to unity in the local church is love. My wife and I, we've been married for uh, over 34 years and we've had challenges, but we've weathered the storm by the love of God and the grace of God. In, in uh, our family, we've had challenges, but we've weathered the storm. And the love of God overcomes and prevails. In friendships, we've had challenges. You've had challenges, but you weather the storm. You keep walking in the love of God. In the church, we've had challenges, but the key to unity is walking in the love of God. Love prevails. Love overcomes. Love masters you. The love of God. One, tra- one ver- uh, verse says his love constrains us. One translation says his love overmasters us because we thus judge that if one died for all. Come on. Jesus died for everyone. If we realize how much God loves that person that even isn't behaving properly or acting the way you'd like for them to act right now towards you, if we knew how much God loves them, we'd have a lot more grace toward them. No, he doesn't condone their attitude or their action or what they're doing, but he still loves them, and he adds grace toward them, and love draws the best out of people. I said love draws the best out of people. 
And when you walk in the love of God, it'll pull something out of them. It'll pull the best out of them. When you believe in them, it'll pull the best out of them. So love works. And love is the key. And love is the key to unity in your life. Verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may be behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world, O righteous Father. The world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known you, and uh, known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. That the love, now here's Jesus, he's really praying this prayer for the new covenant believer. He said that the love may be in them, this same kind of love that you love me with, you have that same kind of love for them. And that this love that you have for me and this love that you have for them that is the same quality of love that you have for me, he said that this love may be in them. That they would have the same kind of love on the inside of them that you have on the inside of you. That they would have the same kind of love on the inside of them that I have on the inside of me. The love that gives, the love that goes the extra mile, the love that is willing to lay down its life. In Jesus' case, he was willing to give his life. The instruction to the husband is love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Gave himself. In other words, lay down your life. Lay down your will sometimes. Lay down your desires sometimes. Lay aside some things that you would like to do. So giving and loving go hand in hand. When you love your neighbor, you want to give. When you love your brother, your sister, love one another, you want to give. You want to give sometimes sacrificially. You want to go the extra mile. You want to do what it takes to win them or to serve them or to be a blessing to them. Because the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. Let's go to John chapter 15 to verse 9. John 15, verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Now, he says, abide in my love. In other words, live in this love. Dwell in this love. What kind of love? The same kind of love that the Father loved me with. As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. And he says, live in this love. When you think about abide in or live in, I mean, you have an address, right? But the key to this kind of abiding is that it's not just one location, except that it's simply in Christ. Abiding in Him, living in Him. When you're living in Him, 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 says, God is love. 
He that abides in love abides in God and God in him. He that, God is love. He that abides in God or dwells in God, dwells in love, dwells in God, and God dwells in him. So there's an abiding in him. We are instructed in the scripture in John 15 to abide in him. To abide in the vine. To dwell in, to live in, to, to, to reside in. In other words, we are constantly in him. And we need to live with a consciousness and an awareness that we are in him and that he's in us. And if he's in us, if God's in us, if Jesus is in us, if the Holy Spirit is in us, then love is indwelling us. And we're dwelling in the love of God. So he says to abide in this love. And when you hit the wall, when you're in this stuck place, thank you, Jesus. For example... On Friday night, we were, I was going to the Night of Hope, and I got stuck in traffic. Can't turn here, can't turn here. They have blocked everything off. Can't turn here. So I was stuck and literally sat in about one position, maybe moved about four car lengths in 30 minutes. So I'm scheduled because while I'm waiting, I called the guy that I was supposed to meet I can't get to the parking lot where they had reside, uh, reside for us. We, it's there. It's reserved. So I can't get there. So I'm calling. I'm letting you know I'm, I'm not there. Can't be there. Can't get there. I'm stuck. But I'll be there as soon as I can. And so I'm not moving. Nothing's happening. No forward motion. <laughs> So finally, and, I, and while I'm on the phone with him, he says, well, uh, we also have you scheduled to go on uh, Sirius Radio uh, and be, uh, be interviewed on the program at, at 7 o'clock. Okay, well, that helps. <laughs> I didn't know that before, but now I do. And I'm stuck. Have you ever needed to get somewhere and you can't get there seemingly there's a stuck place in this case it was traffic that was hindering me and sometimes in your life uh, there's adversity uh, things that seemingly are hindering uh, you from being free in love and you're not uh, it's just stop it's just dead still no forward motion frustration well, I knew at a certain point I'm not going to make it on time. So I'm only a block from the T-Mobile T arena. I'm, I, I could get out of the car and walk. I could have walked a few times, but I can't park. So I finally know I'm stuck here. I called Kevin. I said, Kevin, where are you? What's your location? I'm in the arena. Well, I'm about a block from the arena, and I can't move forward. I can't get out of this traffic. Can you come take my car? So he walked out to the car, took my car. I got out, walked. I could have done that 30 minutes ago. <laughs> could have done it 45 minutes ago. 
but I'm thinking I'm going to get parked. And so sometimes you're thinking you're going to, everything's going to be okay. You're going to get through this storm. You're going to get past this wall, so to speak. Or this, this glitch in the relationship. Or you're going to get past this thing. And, but thank God you can call on Jesus. Hallelujah. How many are glad that Jesus can come to the rescue? So you can call on God in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of your, uh, of your challenge in life. And the Holy Spirit can come to the rescue. Or you might can call a friend. Somebody that you can rely on trust in. Somebody you believe that will be there for you and stand with you. And they'll come to the rescue. The Holy Spirit always has a way. He may do it personally in your heart and in your mind, but he may send somebody along or somebody you call on, and the Spirit of God will use them to help rescue from your situation so you can get out of that stuck place and where the devil thinks he's going to stop you, and that's the way it's going to be for the rest of your life. No, it's not going to be that way for the rest of your life. God is able to rescue your soul or rescue your life and help you to get out of that stuck place. With God, all things are possible. The Holy Spirit is your helper and love will always come to your aid. (laughs) Naturally, you don't feel like you're going to make it. You can't take it anymore. And if you've been around here long, you know I'm an on-time person. For 34 years, we've started church on time. If, you get t- if you're here 10 minutes late, you miss 10 minutes of the service. You didn't miss nine, you missed 10. You didn't miss eight, you, you missed 10. You didn't miss seven, you missed 10. If you're 10 minutes late from 8 o'clock or 10.30 or 6.30, whatever service, we started on time. I'm just an on-time person. I believe in being on time. So stuck in traffic is not my key. That's not fun for me. And so we all want to get to our destination. We want to have success in relationships. And we want things to work in our relationships. But if you're in a stuck place, the Holy Spirit can rescue you. Holy Spirit can help you. Holy Spirit can assist you. And the love of God will come through for you. Are you with me? Thank you, Jesus. The love of God works all the time. The love of God works every time. And the love of God is something that God commands us to do. What does he say in verse 10? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Let's go to verse 17. These things I command you that you love one another. These things are God's command that you love one another. Love your brother, love your sister, love your husband, love your wife. Love your friend. Just love people because love never fails. 
And love gets you out of the stuck place. And love releases life in your life. And releases life in your relationships. It releases life in your friendships, in your marriage, in your family. The love of God works, and it works all the time. It works every time. It works everywhere, and it works for anyone who will yield to it and allow Jesus' love to flow through you. Amen. Let's pray.